0: Hi, and welcome to The Greatest Music Podcast, where we listen to ours and other people's favorite songs, recorded albums, recorded shows, anything to find the greatest music in the world. My name's Ian. And I'm Andy. And this is The Greatest Music Podcast.
1: Ian, it is once again your turn... And you have brought with us something we haven't done yet, a single song. And you picked this certain song because uh, you want to use it as a tool for us. So why don't you tell us the song and give us an explanation of what we're doing today?
0: Sure. So I wanted to bring, it's, it's one of my all-time favorite songs. And I wanted to say, it's not in my regular rotation. And I wanted to ask, do you, do you have any songs that are like one of your favorite songs, but you keep it out of your regular rotation? Oh, I'm sure I do.
1: Um, wow, that's spont uh, spontaneously. I can't. Oh, yeah, man.
0: Because uh, you don't you don't realize it. Yeah, you know, like you don't realize. Oh, I forgot how much I love that song. I got it. I love
1: the gin blossoms every time I hear them. Okay, but I never go out of my way to listen to them. Like, I don't know what any of the other songs that aren't their singles, but every time, you know, you're walking through the grocery store and it's, anywhere you go, uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, this is my jam right here. <laughs> or And you uh, start
0: doing the shopping cart.
1: <laughs> yeah, and anytime. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm like, oh, yeah, the gin blossoms. I should listen to them more. I really like them. Yeah. That's definitely one for me.
0: Okay, no, no, that's a really good one. I feel like that might be in, in a camp for me, too, because I do, I get that same smile that you have on your face right yeah. now when I hear those songs, too. Like, they're just, there's memories, they're they're happy-go-lucky, most of the songs that I know about them. The guitar riffs are pretty decent for late mm-hmm. 90s. Yeah? Um, singer yeah. can sing? Singer can sing? Yeah, and he has a pretty, he has a unique, without being overly unique, voice. Like, mm-hmm. it's just right. Yeah. Hmm. We should do an episode on the Jim Blossom sometime. Just force us to sit down and do that.
1: Yeah. Actually listen to an album of theirs, which is <laughs> yeah.
0: which would be good, I think. Yeah. So today, what I brought, because the goal of today is actually to work through our, our six criterion and explain that out to people, because we've gotten a lot of questions and some pushback and some thoughts and ideas Um, But mostly people are just, I think, slightly confused as to why we have this six category system that we have. So we want to talk about that. Um, But I want to talk about a song first, because I feel like this song will help explain my thought process through these six steps. Um, And I feel like even between you and I, Andy, we have different ideas as to these six categories and what they actually mean to us. So um, I brought today Duke Specials a uh, song called condition it's off of his o pioneer record from 2012 and i have to ask have you ever heard of duke special
1: nope i had no cl- i thought it was a gun to be honest <laughs> it was like i'm carrying around my duke special uh no i had no idea that this was this singer songwriter from ireland no clue
0: no clue and did you, did you look at any pictures of Mr. Duke? Did you Google Mr. Duke Special?
1: Uh, no, I just YouTubed, YouTubed him right away. And I was like, oh, I was not expecting this out of the song that you presented. The guy's got long dreads. He must have been working on them for some time. And then a goatee, an eyeliner, and I read in on his wikipedia page he calls his dress hobo chic
0: hobo chic i think it's a little more hobo than chic but yeah 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 for sure uh, yeah i the first time i saw him i didn't expect it either i actually came across uh this song from mr peter rollins the th- the theologian or the the what is he a philosopher that's the word i was looking for Um, we were talking at a bar one night, and he's like, "Oh, my buddy just came out with this album, and you should listen to it because you like music."
1: That makes sense because Peter is also from Belfast.
0: Yeah, and there's some. It's all
1: connecting.
0: Yeah, and uh, so I don't know exactly about their relationship. I don't know a lot about uh, Mr. Duke Special, Um, but he has some deep lyrics. I feel like sometimes, and and he definitely is is. There's not a lot of surface level stuff in most of the music that I've I've listened to of his. Like I feel like he has some pretty pretty deep down and rooted ideas that he's trying to express in his style um, when he sings. Um, the only thing I didn't do was look up why does he call himself Duke Special because his real name is Peter Wilson, which is not nearly as exciting.
1: No, not nearly as exciting at all. Um, yeah, it just said he just started. He picked up that name, and that's what he ran with. So there's got to be a good story behind that, or at least I hope there is.
0: There should be. There should be. Um, so what what genre would you put the music into? Did you listen to anything other than this song? So I
1: listened to this song primarily, and then after I listened to the song a few times, I found a couple other live performances uh, there was one from 2020 where he's got a like a, a space, like a club. It looks like mm-hmm. There's something gramophone. I yeah,
0: can't... yeah. He he does like online shows for his his patreons, if you will. Yeah, and, it's that sort of idea.
1: And it was him on the piano. He had a Victrola that was. That he wound up that was playing some weird old, you know, like 20s, 30s music. Not weird, but typical of the 20s and 30s music.
0: Yeah, not what you would expect to see.
1: Yeah, and then he had this drummer next to him who had equally impressive dreadlocks. But the drummer had all this stuff hanging, like a cheese grater and some other stuff. And he was just binging and bopping on all this stuff while duke's over here like real intimately playing on the piano and singing and his voice is one of the things that sort of captured me it's a a very silky smooth voice and i've always found this interesting with accents i only could catch it on a word or two that made me go. Oh, I think he's from like Ireland, or he's in that general uh, area of the world. Mm-hmm. I, at first, I was just like, "Oh, who is who is this guy?" I didn't, I couldn't tell. But then he says, "I forget what word it was," but he says one word, and I'm like, "Oh, you just you just laid your hand right there."
0: Yeah, yeah, I get you for sure. Um, but what what style? What would you call it? Like if you had to put a, a quick label on it, what do you, what do you say? And he. What genre does he fall into?
1: Well, if I'm grabbing on the condition, it it reminded me a lot of Stabbing Westward from back in the day or oh, or okay. Link, Linkin Park without the rap.
0: Oh. Or oh, yes, yes, okay. Or,
1: or um even 9-inch nails.
0: Okay. Uh, sure. That's
1: that's what I was picking up and I I know I shouldn't look at the YouTube comments, but one of the YouTube comments said, if Trent Reznor ever got happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what this would be. Okay. Yeah. No, but that's true. Like, that's a, a brash way of saying something fairly accurate, I believe.
1: Yeah. So uh, it was in this sort of, like, a, a, he has a bit of this electronica stuff, but I only know, like, a very tiny glimpse it's like i barely peeked the curtain back to look in and that's what i saw but okay. uh, it sounds like he's a little more uh piano singer songwriter because i did watch one interview of songs that inspired him and he was running through like a tom wait song and um oh, neil what's his name no keith wheel the guy that wrote mac the knife That's an old song. Yeah. And uh, he said that one, I forget what that Martha, I think is what it was called. And he plays it and it was like, oh, this is completely different. Him just kind of plunking at the keyboard and singing along. So, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I was when I was listening to it, I I'm a bit more familiar with this catalog than you. But I just kept thinking this is like the like a modern version of progressive rock. It's very much storytelling. It's not mm. music to dance to. No. Um, he has a character and a style and an art that is, I think, more important than the person receiving it, if you will. Like, and that's okay. immediately what I went to. I was like, oh, like I feel like he is doing a progressive, like a modern progressive rock kind of thing. He has got a character. It does this. It moves through. Um, and that's the kind of the best way I could put it. Like it, it's eclectic. Um, Mm -hmm. like you said, like even down to the rhythm section is using weird things. Like he rhymes up his gramophone and lets that just troll as he's playing some songs. Like it's, it's this travel, like it almost reminds me of like the, like a modern old school traveling minstrel. And he's just kind of like, let me just wind this up here. And, uh, yeah, Um, I
1: saw it said like inspirations from like vaudeville and that sort of thing
0: which I don't know what really what vaudeville is. I want to sound cool and be like, "Oh yeah, vaudeville." I
1: really don't so know what that is. So, it was sort of like t- 20s, 30s, maybe even to the 40s. It was that kind of a speakeasy. Uh it was a ah. cool club you would go to. Sometimes they had dancers that would and it was all about entertainment and show. You know who else you would know that I think he absolutely fits in this category? is the guy you knew from New York, Schaefer James?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Those two would go hand in hand. Like yeah. They would be side by side and sound he, great together.
1: He was absolutely who I thought of when I was listening to this. So you know how he has, like, sometimes he'll have a dancer in a cage doing a thing while he's singing a certain song. Like, it's, uh-huh. it's an art piece kind of thing. Not, Which is very much progressive, yeah. It's not just a song it's this is a piece of art to be thought about and pondered and questioned and uh, to just make you engage with it it's yeah. not it's It's a conversation it's not just you sit there and listen to my song
0: oh, it is I love that it 's a conversation mm-hmm. that's true well, that explains a lot because he's he's been commissioned by by many art world people to do entire sets, everybody from the Met in New York City. To uh, indie movies, to musical theaters throughout London, like he's written entire scores and things for that, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Uh, like he fits. Like that must be how his mind works when he thinks about music. Okay, vaudeville. I got to add that to my list of things. Hmm. All right. So uh, he's forty-one years old with O Pioneer, still wearing eye makeup, still having dreadlocks, and this is a a self-made album by and large for him. Uh, He is no longer with his his old record label, and I couldn't tell you who they were, but he's he's doing this indie now like he's got a big enough following where he can do his own thing and and it'll still work for him um in his corner of the world now granted we're sure. not talking large scale like it's not coming to America except on the backs of people that know him but um and he does but, play in america
1: but he yeah. was he was he had a couple hits in the u k Yeah, in Ireland. So in that sort of European market, uh, which is really fascinating to think about, because we've been sort of taint, tarnished uh, with the Beatles and the whole Brit rock invasion. I know we're years behind that, but we've had multiple uh, generations of that. You know, like uh, was it like Coldplay and all that kind of stuff and. All those guys coming in, we sort of had that second wave. And so it's just weird to think that there's a whole other world out there mm-hmm. of great stuff that people are listening to. And it it's what is taking over their radio waves. And we have no clue
0: it even exists. Yeah, that is weird to think about. But there's hope because we can. We have, We have a much more globalized society. So I'm hoping... Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that that goes away and not to the point where it all starts to meld in and be, you know, similar genres and things like that. But I like I want to hear like one of the things I like about him is he's dealing with very specific things to him and very specific things to his culture. And it gives me a glimpse Mm -hmm. into this other like other things that are going on in the world. Sure. um, Which gives that traveling minstrel feel.
1: Oh, yeah. There was a website. I've, I've seen two different versions of it and it's just a gigantic map. Uh-huh. And it's about a month behind, but okay. you can basically click on anywhere in the world and it'll tell you what the number one song is there. And it has yeah. the and it has the YouTube. And that's fun just kind of walking around and clicking and you're like, what does India sound like? And you're like, oh, yeah, it sounds like B- uh, Bollywood Indian music. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Or you go <laughs> to like the Caribbean and there's like a reggaeton kind of thing. You're like, hmm, interesting. And then you go... Uh, the most recently that driver's license song. I don't know if you know that one. I think yeah. I sent it to you. Yeah, yeah. And so I like just, it. It was just interesting lot. to see, like, at the mo- at this exact moment, there's different stuff. Anyway, same same point I just made. But go yeah. ahead, keep going.
0: Yeah. So, well, I'm just getting to the to my first question. So the song is called Condition, mm-hmm. and he's talking about how would you say what he's talking about cuz i i think the title is self-explanatory like he's in my opinion it's it's the human condition
1: yeah um, yeah I, I did see a subtitle somewhere it was like wrestling with what it's like to be human or or i mm-hmm. forget where i saw that maybe it was in a another kind of tribute video
0: i i think it's in his liner notes from the album originally like That's it's in what it like was. parentheses afterward um so he does quite a bit of stuff like that. But yeah, like, so it begins with this, this introduction. That's not, it's not unsettling, but it, it's definitely not complete. Like it, it sets the tone for, for anticipation. I feel like I, I wouldn't say it's an uneasy, like I'm not nervous about what's going to happen, but it's definitely like it's building and it's driving to get somewhere uh, in its own way.
1: It felt like a beginning of a horror movie to me. Really? Yeah, okay. like or a, a drama or suspense movie, not necessarily, but like it, it was building a tension, just like, oh, something's gonna happen. The yeah. guy's gonna jump out of the closet. I don't <laughs>
0: like this. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could get that. I mean, it has strange, old school synthesizers in the background. Like I kept. Like hearing in my head, like those little tiny old keyboards that we used to get the Casio keyboards as a kid. Yeah. Itty bitty keys that you could like hit and it would go like, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then the guy's banging on different sounds, and there's drums and there's sounds, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, because I wouldn't call them drums, but like you were saying, a cheese grater and things like that.
1: Yeah, it's like Um, washy atmospheric kind of sounds.
0: Yeah. And then he begins to sing and, and he hits a major chord. He, he, he hits a, a very happy chord out of all of this weird, definitely not happy. I would not characterize the beginning as happy, but it just hits this opening E major chord and he says, I am perfect. <laughs> That's my best. Yeah. You are right on pitch too. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and and it it sets the tone for the rest of what's about to happen in this song because it as a as a dynamic piece there's not a lot of dynamics to the song like it's not going way high and driving crazy go nuts and then drawing back to nothing it's very much based on on the melody and the key of the song so so we have this tension and it almost resolves on that very first chord to just boom to that e um which I loved because I was like, oh, here, this is where we were going the whole time. I am perfect. Yeah, and it then, was the
1: complete release of all that tension that I had.
0: Yeah, in that intro thing,
1: and then he go- done.
0: It is. It is. It's crazy weird how you can do that. And then he goes to. You had a different idea. I said a C sharp minor. Uh, yeah, it's which
1: a G sharp suspended four. I think. It, uh, and that's me plugging things into the internet and it telling me what it was. That is yeah. not me being smart and figuring it out.
0: <laughs> uh, me, me, I was not being smart and figuring it out. I was just sitting with a guitar and trying to play what a piano does. To me, it, it, the, the chording logically said C sharp minor because it's a, so we have E major and then it goes to a minor chord. So I am perfect. And then he goes, I am broken. And and that mm, led me to believe it was the C sharp as the root, but it, so it brings it back to the, like, I'm perfect. And now I'm broken like, um, at the same time. And then he goes to the, a, um, I am something. And he, he makes it major again. Yeah. And then he comes down to E again, I am da da, but he sings the E in the minor reflective, as opposed to the major that he did in the first, um, so. He's doing this dance of taking these chords. He's taking the major chord, singing it happy. He's taking the minor chord, singing it sad. He's taking a major chord, singing it happy. And then he takes the same major chord he started with and he sings it sad. Um, Which I am really surprised because we've
1: talked about this in numerous episodes of the sad, happy. Music is happy. The words are sad. And vice versa. And you talk about your wrestle. And so this really threw me off that you're like, this is... You like this, huh? Okay, cool. Yes, and I want to explain why. Because I think it's intentional. That's You know that he's completely intentional.
0: Yes, and and it's a deeper level intentional other than it sounds good. Um, I don't think it's... So if we... I think, personally, the song is in E major. So um we're going to uh, we're going to do a little bit a heavy thing so if we play a major chord and Andy will play a major chord cuz it's easier to understand on the piano. So if he plays E major or something to that effect. So you well he's
1: I think he's only well we're going to get into some deep music theory here. So if you're not into music theory, we apologize, but I'm but, sitting in front of a piano and Ian's got his guitar. So we're kind of coming at, at this at and piano is not my first instrument. So you're going to have to Bear with my uh i'm relying on my 12 12 year old piano lessons of when i was 12
0: years old how many
1: years ago that was but yes
0: it was so but we're gonna throw deep concepts but we're gonna keep them very simple so we have e, yeah. that's e major well, on a piano yeah, and a guitar actually you want exactly e major and so it has a, a happy uh, i call it a normal feel like, I know exactly what that chord is. I know how it's supposed to make me feel. I know I know E major. As opposed to if we did E minor. Ooh. Now that doesn't feel happy. Now that feels sort of trepidatious in mm-hmm. a way. You know what I'm saying? So that's the difference. A major and a minor. You could even just say sad. I mean, that would be
1: the easiest way. Is like happy or just neutral and then sad yeah. or off-putting, or whatever it might be.
0: Yeah, so so those are sort of the two kinds of things you work with uh, in music to make melodies, a major and a minor. And so if we take E major that the song's written in, we have... Yeah, all the notes in E major. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Right? And so in music, there's a, there's a set of chords that go with a scale and, and with a key. And so in E major, there's a very specific chord called a relative minor. Now, every key and every chord uh, structure has a relative minor, and it's the sixth chord. It's the sixth note of the chord becoming the root of what's going on. So in this case, it would be C sharp minor. Can you play a C sharp minor? It's a weird so chord. Be, uh one, two, three. Okay. So that's Yeah. Now the fun thing about the major scale of E is we have and its relative minor is that they are the exact same notes. But they begin in a different spot. So if we have Do Re Mi Fa Sol La. Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. And we play it in C sharp minor. We have exact same notes. It just starts at a different spot, but that makes it feel completely different. So we have happy-go-lucky. I know where this is going. It feels good. If I play the exact same notes and I just start... Three notes back, for lack of a better way to say it.
1: Yeah, it feels like it's not resolving.
0: Yeah, it feels uneasy. It feels a little bit tense. It, and it creates this space where you don't, you're not sure of what's going on. Yeah. It doesn't give
1: direction on where it goes. And that's a big part of music is. If you get deep into the theory and like I mentioned in the the surviving life podcast that Adam Neely guy that plays the bass and was talking about Celine Dion always looking at this chord feels like it's gonna go somewhere else, and so when you, you I think Duke special's intentionally doing this where he's making it so it's like I'm gonna give you a hint at where we're going, but you can't see the whole picture or you can't hear the whole picture,
0: yeah. Yeah, so, so we're going major to the same exact notes in a minor, back to the, the fourth. So, And that third chord is actually what lets you know that we're singing a song in E major. That's what lets you know that we need to go back to E, and E is where all this goes. So you know it's a happy song because we play an A chord. Um, whereas if we went to any other chord, it would, it would make the E and the C sharp minor fight out who's the boss in this song. So is it a happy song or is it a sad song? And that A is the only thing that lets you know. And that's why this song to me is brilliant because he begins with all the tension where he puts the beginning of the song in either that G suspended Or the C-sharp minor, and he lets that lead. He doesn't give you the A to tell you where this song is going. And then the song begins, I am perfect. I am broken. I am da. I am da-da. And it is the most subtle but perfect way to explain the dichotomy that he's singing about. That he is both perfect and broken at the exact same time. And he uses the exact same chord in two different voices to say the same thing. And it is, it is a melodic music masterpiece, in my opinion, of simplicity. And it doesn't, it doesn't allow the listener to interject anything into it. You can't, you can't put another sound in there because it all gets weird really quick. It has mm. to be E, it has to be C sharp minor, and it has to be A. Otherwise, it's all screwed up, and he sings it just like that. He sings a melody line that fits both major and minor chords, and major and minor feels. And his lyrics are split up into two groups, and it and it and it goes back and forth. Perfect, broken, happy, sad, happy, sad, and and he's talking about existing in this space that is both of those things, like every human does. There are some days where I am sober and there's sometimes I am wrecked and it's often the same thing at both times, you know? Um, so that's the beginning of what I feel this song is perfect.
1: Yeah. We've talked about that just in general in life. And I think this is making more sense hearing you talk it out is it just, my perception of you is we live in we've talked about the chaos and the brokenness of this world, but then also the beauty and the amazingness all at the same time. Right. You know, that's why there's YouTube, there's fail army, and then there's people are awesome. You know, it's, it's, it's complete. It's both. It's yes. And, or it's both. And, and we, we talk a lot about that in sort of our faith discussions of, yes, it's both. It's both yeah. the things existing in the same spot at the same time. And we are stuck in the tension right in the middle of it.
0: Yeah. And and there's what I love about it is in life, no matter what your faith belief is, you have the option to choose which one you're going to do. Are you going to be a part of destruction or are you going to be a part of restoration? Because they both exist at exactly the same time without Mm -hmm. destruction. There's nothing to be restored and without restoration, there's no understanding that it was ever broken in the first place. And that's exactly what he's singing about. And it is, it hits you on so many different levels, even though the things that he is talking about are very specific to him. Um, For example, he, he says he is a pin drop. Uh, and he's talking about the sound of a pin drop to uh, a record producer named Phil Spector, who also was a murderer and just died recently. I found out that Mm. was a whole rabbit trail. I wasn't expecting to go down because I I only know you didn't know that either. I didn't know the murdering part. I knew he was a, I
1: knew he was a a big time record producer and he helped uh, the Beatles and John
0: Lennon. Like, so he was, he's most notably known because he created this thing, that he called the wall of sound. And we're not talking about the grateful dead's wall of sound live tour. It was a recording process to get the best sound levels out of things back in the day when you didn't have a lot of options to work with. So he's kind
1: of good throwback. Yeah.
0: So he's contrasting the sound of a pin drop, you know, and he's this very teeny tiny thing. And he's also this giant wall of sound. Like he doesn't get to be one or the other. He has to be both at the same time. Um, which I think is brilliant. Um, so that's a part of the song that really stuck out to me. And he also talks about the, the other two lines that really hit me. And it was because I didn't know them. And apparently I still don't know them because Andy can explain this a lot better. But he says, also, I am deep blue and I am ZX81, which is in America, ZX81. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> um, says ZX81 first and then deep blue, right? I think I thought it was the other way. And, and, and I want to talk about way. that too Brenton, sure. Because there is a switch in this song That I think is brilliant
1: Oh it is, okay
0: Yep. Yeah. So tell me what the deep blue thing is Because I totally missed it I thought he was just talking about color And then going to a monochromatic computer screen
1: Well in the liner notes in the YouTube video It's capitalized So I started doing some research And in the mid 90's um, I think it might have been MIT But I'll, I'm not sure uh, it was a group of people set out to make a computer play chess. Oh! And so they pinned it up against a Russian chess grandmaster, and uh-huh. it lost the first round. It lost. It won two of the six games. It won. The grandmaster won overall because you play several matches in mm-hmm. a tournament, right? And so then they took it back and they worked on it for like another three years or something like that. I, I might be off a little bit on my timing. But they took year, at least two years, yeah. to reprogram this thing, to train it, to do it. And it blew the Russian Grandmaster out of the water the next time when they rematched. So this was a computer designed to defeat a human. Which is ah. it's it's I mean, that's an insane amount of power. And it's funny because humans had to make the thing to defeat humans. <laughs> so there's a whole like <laughs> mind is. meld right there. But and I a think, Z- so the ZX eighty one was a home computer in Ireland, in Europe, and it Fraught was with ba- issues. Yeah, tons of issues and basically it was a glorified typewriter.
0: Yeah. That you had to code yourself. Yeah. So, and okay. So I get it now. Like there's so, a huge dichotomy between those two, like the all powerful computer versus the one that you have to work your butt off just to get it to do something simple for you.
1: Yeah. It it, wow. it screams of the rest of the song.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It totally is. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. Okay. I love it so much more now. Okay. Um, so there's an interesting thing that happens in this song. Uh, Uh, three quarters of the way through there's sort of one, two, three, four, four or five movements, depending on how you want to look at it. If we treat it like a classical piece. Um, and so the first movement is that introduction. It's that tension. Uh The second movement is the, the resolving to E and letting you know where the song is going and creating a positive, negative, positive, negative, positive, negative correlation musically, uh, verbally, thematically. And then he gets to this: I'm a pin drop, and I'm Phil Spector. And he flips it. He keeps the chords the same. He sings it opposite. He sings minor to major in the chords, and he changes verbally the negative to the positive. However, you want to look at it, Mm -hmm. Um, which you don't realize when you're listening to it the first time. But it's a total mind f. Like when you start, I didn't even
1: catch up on that. Yeah. Now that you say it, it's like, oh, that completely makes sense.
0: Yeah, he wow. does it. And and it's subtle and it's brilliant and it's a hundred percent calculated. Like, I don't think it was a happy stroke of like whatever. Like, I feel like he did it because he's playing the chords the same, but he changes how he's singing and he changes the words. Um And then we move on. Like, so he does that for another five or six lines, and then it moves to the beginning of the outro or the outro, the, the, the fifth movement part or the sixth movement part of the song. I forget where we're at. It finally breaks. It finally breaks. Yeah. And he sings, he puts it in harmony, which I think, I mean, he doesn't do anywhere else in the song as he's wrestling through the, I'm both of these things. He gets to the end and he splits off in harmonies that sing in both major and minor.
1: (laughs) Well, and I think the, the part that he just came out of, there was a part when I was listening to it. I was like, "Okay, yeah, I get the point." But now that I'm, I'm, it was the monotony was, I think, purposeful.
0: Yeah, yeah, because he gets to these stuck, last lines, being stuck,
1: being stuck in between the stuff, being stuck in between this and that, being stuck in between this and that, and he just kept hammering the point. I'm like, "I get the point, Duke. <laughs> Let's yeah. go!" And but that's that's how life is, right? We're we're always stuck. It's always there, man. Yeah, we're okay. we're.
0: And I think what he's trying to say is when we're fighting to be in between both of these things and we're not just being both of these things, whenever the situation calls for it, it gets like, you know, he says.
1: So the lyrics are when all these fragments start to roar, that part? Yeah. Playing like an orchestra, sometimes it's hard to hear yourself think.
0: It's, it's, like, the, it's like the words are crawling back inside the ink. Yeah. Oh man. And he does that in in harmony where he takes like this dichotomy between these two things he and then he puts that layer on it where he's like I'm going to sing both at the same time. Um, and I'm going to sing one major, I'm going to sing one minor and we're going to put them in harmony and we're going to talk about this all just melting back into one thing. You know, and these these beginnings and these ends, these finites, these perfects and these brokens really become almost the same thing when you think about it. You know, um, and he does that in a way that blows my mind, like i
1: yeah, and it's one of these songs now that we're talking it out it it completely makes more sense, but you could listen to this that's the weird thing about music is you can listen to it and not let the meaning sink in, mm-hmm. but if when you really think about it, man.
0: Yeah, he's he's moving on. He's ninja like the whole way through this song cuz it's real easy. This is one of those songs that can real easy just be turned on and let in the background and nobody even knows it's on. Like not mm-hmm. at all. Um and then it goes back to the outro at like what what I would call the outro, which was just really a reprise of the intro in a way, like just played slightly different given a little more color. Um but I, I think to say, you know, like and now the whole process starts again, like it it's like the radio head did, you know, like mm, it starts this cycle. way. Yeah, it's song cycles. Um so yeah, this is, that's why this is one of my favorite songs, because it hits me on many, many levels. Um and I think it'll help us talk about our, our six step process.
1: Well let's do it then.
0: Yeah. So, so we created this six-step process with a few things in mind that we didn't really let the listener know about. And I well, think I, f-
1: I'm going to give you the credit here. You did the heavy lifting on this. I, I assigned you <laughs> the task <laughs> of how do we determine if this is great or not? And we just sort of had the brief discussion, like we mentioned uh, before on the Surviving Life podcast, of we have to take nostalgia and we have to take that sort of musical preference yeah i like it because this is the type of music i like out of it how do we kind of make it as neutral as possible when still dealing with artwork
0: yeah because you i mean i think we've been pretty clear in every episode for that first half hour 45 minutes if we like this or not. <laughs> yeah. You know? But then then we have to sit back and try to rate it, you know, without those preferences in mind. Because there there has to be a neutral system to talk about something that is art, you know? Like, it's not... Mm-hmm it's not as simple as whether you like a cheeseburger or not. It, do, it doesn't work that way. And clearly some people have, because we haven't really listened to anything that hasn't really been, this is the first song that really hasn't been in like a top 40 playlist. I I don't think. Um, so somebody somewhere likes it. Um, and it's a lot of somebody somewhere that have liked most of what we do. Uh, like most of what the songs that we have done. Sure. Um, so we we need to get outside of that and look at the big picture of music. Um, and my, I think the episode we did on Jethro Tull was a pretty good example, where we can't really talk about innovation and, and and how awesome that was and it was just mind blowing to me as a kid, because we're forty years out from that or thirty years out from that and it's just not that anymore. So is it great? You know, um, you know, is we're the music
1: fifty years out, dude?
0: Are we really? I don't don't yeah, say that.
1: That that was seventy. Seventy one?
0: I don't know what year it is. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Welcome to twenty twenty one, Ian. <laughs> oh, well, you're older than you ever thought you'd be. Um, every day, every day, every second, every minute. Um, mm-hmm. So we we wanted to to remove that as well, like because it has to stand up to a test of time, and and at the end of the day, nobody cares how innovative it is. Is it still hitting? You know, um, and does it hit people that didn't have the chance to have the backstory Mm -hmm. um, is kind of what we're looking at. So we, we, me, I threw out these six categories or I threw out a a couple of categories. And I think you said a few things back and then I said, well, we'll do these six um, and we'll make it five out of six because nothing's ever perfect. Um, Except
1: Chris Stapleton. uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Man, I think some man crush might have gotten in on that one. And so (laughs) – go ahead.
1: Well, and this goes back to musical preference and just liking something to like something because – and I hate to keep going back to the same thing. But your outro I thought thought was great on the Surviving Life podcast where you're like, sometimes music just has to be good. It's good because you think it's good. That's the only criterion – you need.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and and we I think you and I do this just because I You'd I like know to. for me this is yeah, I like to do this. And I know this isn't everybody's part of tea. Like we've been watching our analytics. Some of you want the first 15 minutes. You know, the, there's a, there's about a third of you that listen to the first 15 minutes, so you have an idea of what you're about to jump into, and then you just go listen to the playlist. We get it. That's awesome. There's some of you that listen up to the point where we get to the part where we're talking about, is it great or not? And right. you're like, I don't really give a rat's rear if it is or not. And this is what I think, and here's where I want to go. And then there are some of you that want to duke it out in the is it great or not arena. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's music- for everybody. You know, like it's there everybody in life is in one of those three places. Yeah, I think you know? it's awesome that we
1: unintentionally found this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and I think it just it just speaks and this isn't any different than how it has ever been in the world. No. Like it has always just been this way. So, we're going to talk about our six categories. We'll relate them to this song, um and then we'll see where we end up. Yeah. So, when when we talk about technically great, I like to default to Andy cuz when I, when I originally think of technically, I, I want to know, was this recorded properly or was there a better way to record this? Was there a better way to mix it? Was there a better way to put it together? Um, and for, you know, sometimes we have to go back and say for the time period, this is the best they could do. And you have to give that to people. You can't stack nineteen twenty against 2020 like the the ability that they had was very different so for Mm -hmm. me technically is is about the mechanical process um of the recording and the mechanical process of the playing um was it played
1: which is it's a really kind of complicated because when we're talking about this guy you know, this is a self-produced album with an engineer that recorded things and that sort of thing. Where we're when we're talking about John Foreman from the first episode, it's him and his buddies in the garage. Or when we're talking about Beatles, we're talking about being at Apple Records with um, George Martin, right? It's all across the board. So being a band, and this is a thing that we I don't think we've hit at it at all, is being a band and recording music. It. Involves other people, whether you like it or not. You can be the best prom- performer in the face of the planet, but at some point, you are going to have to involve other people. Whether yeah. it's uh, someone to distribute the record, or somebody to fund the record, or somebody to help you produce the record, or whatever it is. I mean, there's only there's not too many. And I this is going to be an obscure reference here, but uh, just with. Musical taste and such. The only one I know of that really hit without, and we have the beauty of the internet, is Owl City. You know hmm. Owl City. Yeah. His first album he recorded in his basement with Pro Tools and a thing, and he put it up on his MySpace, and that was it.
0: And Can he blew just, up. He he's also friends with Matt Teason, who happens to be a musical oh. and recording and songwriting genius. Opinion. But I, I think that's also an argument. I did not opinion. know they were buddies. They are. Yeah. So um, okay. So you but... also hold on, and one other thing that's not ever really talked about, Katy Perry was also a part of that group. You had really? Matt Tyson. Yeah, you had Matt Tyson from Reliant K. You had this dude from Owl City who's clearly great as well. Has an a- ear Adam, for
1: Adam Young, I think is his yeah.
0: real name. And Katy Perry also working in the background, because they were all sort of a from Matt and Katie were dating at the time, yada yada yada. It that that was like a perfect storm in a way. Like those three together can pull off some amazing things. Um, Which them individually, if
1: you look at it, it's like they are the complete opposites. Like it's yeah. a triangle of opposites. It, it is right. It's There's weird. like electronica, pop, bubblegum pop, Owl City. There's like witty pop punk indie indiness with Reliant K and then Katy Perry's kind of fit that like female radio fit in that pop box kind yeah, of where
0: thing. knowing when to belt and how to push something out yeah like mm, that, wow mind blowing it's I weird. see yeah. us going there yeah yeah that's weird that was yeah I was really interested in that as well Um because yeah his song right like yeah it's 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 i think negotiable whether the songs themselves are actually good, like if you strip them back, is there really a lot going on there, or is it or was it that collaborative process that made that great sure but yeah that was the
1: main that was the main point is other people involved in this category, so it kind of makes it a little weird
0: yeah, and the other thing is too with the technical process, there are musicians that are performers, and there are musicians that are recorders for Mm -hmm. lack of a better way to say it. Um, And that one doesn't usually translate to the other really well. Um, It's, it's a rare instance where somebody is an amazing performer and records really well Um, in my opinion. So it's, Mm -hmm. I I feel like that's something that, that should be there as well. Well, let's, let's talk about this for a second because I, I think Dave Matthews is a really easy thing to pull off. The Dave Matthews we get on stage will kick the living crap out of the Dave Matthews that is in a recording studio.
1: Well, that's cuz you're trying to put you have to put them in in a box. You have to put baby in a corner. Well, that's what I'm get, saying. to get it to to snapshot a moment
2: mm-hmm. without
1: it being a live album and and
0: But that's what I'm saying. There's some yeah. there are some of the artists like and musicians out there that know how to work in that like Switchfoot knows how to work that box. John Foreman knows how to work that recording box. Like few people I listen to, he can pull so much out of so little. Um, And live, they pull it off and it's great. But I wouldn't say their live show is better than their recording. I would say the recording.
1: I don't know. Got to
0: get the emotion out of it, Andy.
1: (laughs) So the last year they've been doing live stream stuff every month, two concerts a month. One's mm-hmm. sort of like a smaller thing. One's a bigger thing. They, they're two concerts ago, they did a recording in a hot air balloon, Ian Heichel. And it was phenomenal. And it's it was a, a
0: live performance. It's also a gimmick. I get it. I get it. But I think if you took the hot air balloons away.
1: <laughs> what yeah. they did, they do, they just. Did performances in their garage too or their studio thing, and it sounds
0: amazing. Uh, Buddy Holly was not that great. I listened to it real quick. I wasn't impressed. I wasn't well, impressed at all. That is
1: a snapshot of
0: 24 concerts
1: they've done. That is I get a it. single song.
0: But that's what I'm saying. Technically, is a really weird category. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and so we it's ju- going-
1: usually default how it's recorded, and if it was recorded well enough with the equipment they had at the time period.
0: Yeah, so with Duke's special album here, I I feel like for a dude doing it on his own, yeah, I I think it's technically great. Um, Sure. When I stack it up against some other things, you know, it definitely could have been better. But I think with his time, his budget, and his things, he is creative as hell, and, like, it gets the point across. Mm hmm I don't need it to be any technically better than it is to listen to it. Sure. And maybe that's a good way to talk about it. I Do I need it to be technically better to enjoy it? Maybe uh, that's something or, to think about. Or
1: to get the intent of what the music is supposed to be across.
0: Yeah. Because
1: that was a part of John Foreman is his stuff was str- trim it down until we can't take anything else away. Don't add yeah. any more than it needs. And, yeah, that's sort of your issues with songs and songwriters and stuff is sometimes people add all the bells and whistles because the song is crap and you yeah. need the bells and whistles to make and carry the song.
0: Yeah, hmm. to give you okay. something to listen to. So, Alright, so we'll give them a clap for technically. Sure, um, give it the to The next him. is emotionally great because emotions have to transcend like emotions transcend time and place and understanding. Now, certain albums like What's Going On was a direct response to an event that was happening at that time. And a lot of our, I'm using air quotes, but older listeners were very emphatic about parts of this album that we youngins just didn't get. You know? Sure. And it is great because of that. And it is, but we're trying to stack it up all time. And so we're trying to remove ourselves from the situation. Now, and so and when we say all time, we
1: mean since music has been recorded. So yeah. we're only going back to maybe late eighteen hundreds, if that. <laughs> so we're only talking two hundred years.
0: Yeah. So so if a song is emotionally great, there are a lot of there's a pantheon of emotions that people this experience.
1: Is, I think this is the thing that we have the most contention on. We honestly. do.
0: We do. And whereas Andy believes that it can be one emotion done really well. I feel like it needs to touch on more than one. And I feel like how many it has to touch on has to vary. Like it varies. You know, is it just one song? Is it a small concert? Is it an entire album? Because I feel like as an artist, that's your job is to bring these things forward in life. Um, And so, yeah. And that's what I'll fight for because I feel like what Mr. Duke special here did in one song touched on so many different emotions and pushed you in so many different directions for one, four like for four minutes, he pushed us through happy. He pushed us into sad. He pushes into discontentment. He pushed us into anxious. He pushed us into calm reserve and, and he can do that quickly. And, and it's because that what we were doing with the music theory there, you know, he masterfully took, the chords and put them together and he matched them to what he was saying. And he also matched that to how he was singing. And then he flipped it upside down and then he added intros and outros on both of those things to push that musical sound in a way that made you have to feel it differently than you did while he was doing the other parts. That's a masterful thing to me. And that's a great thing to me. And I feel like if somebody can do that in one song, and get to the point that you can do that in three songs and that you can do that in an entire album.
1: But that's the beauty is he's a concert and a singer songwriter is never just going to sing a single song. And, yes, it's beautiful. And I, you've convinced me. And now that you're saying it, yeah, I get it that you think this is emotionally great all over because, yeah, some people could say this is just sort of one flavor. I get it. But if you really dig deep, yeah. Emotionally, it's across the board. But that's why I love, we've talked about this before, song sequence. So the order that you put songs in. Yeah. And where you start and you take them basically on a journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think Radiohead's album was brilliant at that. And I know you're going to argue with me on yeah. that. But I think they, it was an intentional ride that they took you on. and be And even though it stayed in one pocket of one emotion it was still a journey that you would go on and you know we both play music in churches and there used to be sort of this hourglass kind of format oh jeez, do, yeah. do you remember the hour and uh, yeah. and uh i'm glad it's kind of been shattered but for a time it was high energy big you know big happier things and then you could slow it down and get more serious and then you could bring it back out to joyful and happy and big again Mm -hmm. and in moments it's a great formula uh and it works you well some performers overdo it in some environments overdo it and it's just one of many
0: formulas i mean you could go just this song works somewhat on that formula where uh, it starts big and expansive, brings it back in and then expands it back out again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I could I, mean, I not, could
0: see that. Not from an emotional point, like not like big expansive emotion, small emotion, big emotion, but like amount Musically. of sound if yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Musically and well, sort of I don't know. I would maybe argue it emotionally, because at the beginning you have all this tension and all this stuff and that release of that first uh, E chord, you know, that, like, even just hearing that now, it's just like, ah, yeah. and it just calms your nerves, and you relax. Shoulders come sort of,
0: down a little bit.
1: Yeah, and it slows down, and you calm down, but then, uh, like, he's building the tension back up, and then, well, he's almost like a double hourglass, actually, now that I would. Cause okay. He t- uh, I, that's how, it would be, like, with a hump in the middle. So it's not necessarily... <laughs> You know it's not saying? as
0: wide as the ends, but yeah, I get it what you're would, saying for sure. It would
1: it would have a hump in the middle, so it would be big, and then it would come down, and then a hump, and then come down, and then go back out. So anyway, <laughs> that's
0: where you should see I Andy think, drawing in the air, everybody. Yeah, I'm that's drawing true. in the air. I can't
1: help it. Um, uh, yeah, where I think we just are coming at two different angles. I think one emotion can be just explored extensively and be great. And you don't think the same. I think you think it has to hit several emotions. But I think. Yeah. Because I. I I don't know. I think we. In my defense. Okay. Well, I'm (laughs) caught in the middle because I think sometimes we just abandon emotions sometimes. It's like, well, that's too sad to think about. I'm not going to do that right now. And we walk away from it. Because we want other stuff, and sometimes I think we just need to do a deep dive into a single emotion and to feel the feels
0: yeah i I would agree with that, but I feel like emotions they are there because they reflect something else like and so so whereas sadness is generally the lack of happiness, and happiness is generally the lack of sadness or things like that. I feel like they have to be explored together, like, because you're like, I feel like we get into beating a dead horse. Like, like you were saying, like, I got it, Mr. Duke special. We're doing this. Like, I get it. (laughs) You know, Yes,
1: but that was an intentional purpose. Like he was specifically doing that. And I think you have a problem when people don't do it intentionally, when they just accidentally come on it or find it and then they exploit it.
0: Yeah, because I feel like that's not a masterful way of doing it. we
1: all don't get to be masters, Ian Heichel.
0: Sorry. But that's what we're looking for. We're looking for great. So like Beethoven, dun-dun-dun-dun, dun 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 by itself is interesting. It's great. It's not. But when you add the counter melodies, da 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 and that's doing a happy, frantic this and and we have angry and like bom bom pong, pong. It, it's only when they're set in contrast that you actually see that they knew what they were doing like it's only in that moment that you saw beethoven was doing something with that um and so that's that's a personal thing for me and 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 definitely a thing because i i will default to saying that it's not master like if they can't show me something else that I don't think that they could do it. And you, you see will the say reference
1: point that I do from.
0: Yeah. I see. And, and like I was saying when we were talking on the phone the other day, uh, like it's, it's like painters. They have to prove that they can do realism before they can go do some effed up stuff over in the corner. Like I don't like, if all I see is the weird things like the abstract and this and that, I don't believe they're actually a great painter. They can be a pretty good artist because they're able to evoke something, but I don't think they're a great painter because they can't do like, because they can't produce something else. Like, um, they can't do, if they can't do realism, they can't do this. Like, and I need to see them both at the same time. Like I need to see both parts of that. Um, personally, everything I'm saying is much more in reference to me than any absolutes that are in the world. <laughs> but but that, so that's why, yeah.
1: And see, sometimes I think you just need to wade in the ocean of sadness, float <laughs> out to the sea, and not even be able to see the coast, to feel completely lost, to go completely metaphorical here, right? I can, I've only seen it in movies, but I can only imagine the despair it would be to be floating in the middle of ocean and not be able to see land to not have a reference point. And I think it's okay to do that.
0: Yeah. But if you are always in the ocean and you never saw land and you never knew it existed, you would make it up. Like there's studies to prove that. Like, you 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 will make up the opposite of what you're dealing with. You're going to
1: me this whole... We are never <laughs> going to come to terms on this. So I'm that's willing to... But, but that's, that's what I love about it.
0: us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're still that, friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, so do you think this is emotionally great?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think there was intention and purpose and see i thought it was all well i i, I don't know it's 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 tough it's to hard. explain
0: yeah because i think part of this too and and i think this is part of the thing with progressive rock like we were we were talking about with jethro Tull. like it, it's it's much more intellectual and thought out than it is a natural springing forth if you will like okay, there, yeah. there mm-hmm. are some artists that just exude their emotions. Like I'm just that person that just exude. Like what you see is exactly what I'm feeling. Like I, it just oh, the comes camera out. can
1: come on and I can tell whether you you've had a good afternoon or you've had a crappy afternoon.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I can't. I like I'm not a person that can really shut that off. Um, it it is so exhausting for me to shut that off. Um, and this, I I don't think Duke Special is that way. Like I feel like. He starts doing something and he has an intent to do this. And so he intellectually thinks through, how am I going to do this? You know, um, like, he's like, I want to write it. Like, I feel like he sits down and he's like, man, I am struggling with this. You know, like I am all of these things. And I just, sometimes I just don't know how to deal with it. How do I make that a song? Yeah. And then, then he thinks through, oh yeah, I can play the first and then I could play the sixth, and then I could bring it back with it. Like. And I feel like he writes like that. So he writes the emotion, but the but it's crafted. It's a crafted emotion, um, which is still very real, but was done with a purpose. Whereas when, like, this happy birthday. It sounds Bur-
1: exactly like Radiohead's OK Computer.
0: No. <laughs> I feel like they were blind squirrels finding nuts.
1: <laughs> no, I, we see it from two different viewpoints. But no, I get what you're saying. You you want to see an intention and purpose for the emotions that are being brought forth in a song, and you can't, and you need to have a reference point. So it needs to, it can't just be all one note and one flavor. I I, I see what you're saying.
0: Yeah, thank you for saying that. You're so much more kind than I am. I don't agree with you, but I see <laughs> what you're saying. So so I'm not right. <laughs> I thought I was right. All right, let's move on. I feel like we're beating yeah. a dead horse here.
1: Yeah, uh, but packag- so emotionally is weird.
0: Yeah, it is. And maybe if we had, a, maybe we get a woman co-host, maybe they could help out. Um, okay. Packaging. Number three. I feel like this is the most straightforward of them. Does the curtain match the drapes? Like.
2: What?
1: but there's so many ways we can take this like we did Chris Stapleton and there's not a piece of album art for this so you just have to go on the presentation of the concert it was like yep yeah, did that or Jethro Tulls, it was like well it's a creepy old man picture and we know what Ian Anderson looks like so yeah sure it's it i think it's a little more deeper than
0: well but than but what with...
1: you're playing off
0: well, but with OK Computer, like, that was a pretty obvious one, too. Like, it was a, a very intellectual, is it this or is it that? Like, what exactly? It, like, it was something that made you have to confront the, like, you had to confront that picture and try to spend time with it, which is what the rest of the album to me was. Like, you have to confront this. You have to think about it. Um, and so I think it matched. Like, I thought that was good. Whereas, um What's, I think you thought Grace Potter didn't match or Marvin Gaye. Yeah, Grace Potter, Marvin. Well, uh, Marvin Gay, I think is that was closer. Grace Potter was uh, was glaringly obvious. This is not at all what I was about to get into. Well, you it know, was uh, an
1: afterthought, I think, that the photo.
0: Yeah, I think, and that's what we came to. But regardless of how they came up with what they came up with, that picture did not represent anything that was about to happen in this album, other than that's her and she sings. But the, even that picture of her doesn't tell me, like, that picture of her to me said it was going to sound much different. What she was about to sing was going to sound much different than mm. what it sounded like.
1: Hmm. Okay. Uh, can, an analogy, because I love analogies, uh, purchasing a house. I know you guys bought your house just a little bit ago. When you walk up, when you see the house from the street, you go, yeah, I kind of already know what's going to be on the inside of that house.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And then sometimes you walk in the house and you're like, Holy crap. Like and that's kind of where like like our house. Like we bought it and it looked like a house that was made in the eighties, you know, a little ranch home. You open it up, yep. Some it's a wood box. paneling. Yeah, it's it's an old and we're ripping it apart so that the inside is not going to match the outside. Like um, you know, we painted everything gray and put white trim up. We're knocking walls down to open the thing up to be bigger. Like, yeah, no, that's that's a perfect analogy. That's that's really good. Yeah, it it is kind of like buying a house. Uh, you kind of have an expectation from seeing what's on the outside. Um, There's so- a
1: really good show on Netflix, I think it is. And it's, oh, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but it's like Inside Beauty or Inside interiors or something and basically they go around and find houses where they look like a plain Jane house on the outside but something wild is going on on the inside like the first episode the basement the guy's man cave is
0: the baseball one
1: Yeah, it's baseball. It's it's completely dedicated to the Chicago Cubs, and there's so much merchandise, and they wind up throwing fundraisers there, and they get old sports guys to come, and it's just like, wow, I never saw that coming.
0: Yeah, because it was just like your typical house on the block, you know?
1: Yeah. Or there's another one on YouTube. It's not a part of that program, but the guy basically made his basement into a miniaturized version of Disneyland. Like he replicates So weird. Like the 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 walkways into different rides and he has the music playing and he copies what like the door handles would look like. Like if um which is that Alice in Wonderland where the door handle is like actually alive, like he replicates that. Yeah, just weird stuff. And so you would never know walking into his house that there's a miniaturized Disneyland in the in the basement.
0: Yeah. Hmm. And the long and the short of that is we're trying to avoid that. <laughs> we want to know that the outside looks like the inside. <laughs> yeah. That that's what makes packaging great. If it can communicate in a picture what the artist does in sound, that's that's the beauty of packaging. Can I visually see what I'm about to hear?
1: But sometimes don't we wanna be surprised?
0: I do, but that doesn't to me say it's great. Like I and that comes back to the emotion thing. Like I need to know that they did it on purpose. Like Um, I've, like, there has to be like glaringly, like it, it, I need to know that that was intentional. Like, um, and that's kind of what we circled around to with the Grace Potter thing. It could have been intentional. Like it could have been very intentional that this picture taken afterward represents where she's at now that she's in the daylight and the album was her getting to the daylight. Like,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and that's all subjective and it's all made up. (laughs) Just two white guys
1: sitting in their basements talking about music.
0: (laughs) Yeah, in that case, was somebody who was halfway across the country who was sitting in her basement. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, so packaging. Uh, I don't think Mr. Duke Special gets this one because I don't see a dude with dreadlocks, eyeliner, with dingy, dirty clothes. Like it kind of fits the sound, but I don't expect to get deep, heady. Maybe I do. I now I'm more confused than ever. Now I'm. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I was not. I saw that picture and I was like, "Oh, what kind of weird crap is he sending to me?" And then this E chord, and I was like, "No, no, 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 no! This is not. Yeah, this should uh, be some sort of
0: like diminished, weird, but like I wanted.
1: Yeah, something like that, weird. And then him being totally. I mean, the cheese graters and all that stuff. The the percussionist is doing makes sense but yeah.
0: and maybe uh, with his earlier albums it made a lot more sense and i mean he's 41 at this point and this is his 12th album i think it was no 7th studio album so he has journeyed as a person quite some distance at this point and maybe earlier in his career the dreadlocks the eyeliner and all of that made a lot more sense for his earlier stuff and as he gets older it it doesn't, but it's who he is now, kind of. Well, thing. he doesn't.
1: I don't think he has them anymore because I saw a concert from last year, and he he just has, uh, you know, a sort it, of standard guy's haircut with a goatee, and he has no makeup on. And he's, he's just also fifty there. now. True, <laughs> there is a time to grow up.
0: <laughs> well, and I think there's a time where your hair starts falling out, and when dreadlocks get that heavy, it just yeah. makes it all the better.
1: <laughs> and it's all gray now, which that then leads us to on- authenticity. I think, yeah. right? Is does this person? Do we get a glimpse of who we think they are really trying to be here? Yeah. And with him cutting his hair, it's just like, yeah, I think this makes sense. Right, he's not still trying to be the the twenty late twenty early thirty goth guy that's trying to be artsy. Like yeah. he's he's stepping into this new thing. It's not that the art uh, is invalid now,
0: but it's, it's just not who he is right now. Yeah, you know, like he, mm-hmm. he's just at a different point in life. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And and I mean, and that that comes across in so many different ways. Like it's um, for me, one of the things I listen to as well is, you know, how much production was actually done on this album to make it sound good. Like, are these really the authentic instrument sounds or have they been manipulated in such a way to make them fit that, you know, it's just it's more electronics than it is actual live thing. Like, that's one of the mm-hmm. things I listen to. As well, like how real are these instruments? How real is this voice that I'm listening to? Um, you know, because there's, there's just a lot of stuff that's done in recording that we don't realize happened. Because um, you you well, that's you're, the whole point
1: of recording is to make it so you're not known. Yeah. You know, especially I, I like live sound better, and your primary job as a live sound engineer is to make no one know you're there.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like you want to be in relationship with that. You don't you don't want the feedback. You don't want like, well that guitar's really loud. You don't and then the person turns around and looks at the sound guy. Like that's <laughs> that's the last thing you want to have. Yeah. Um I I actually go into sort of a different mindset. I, I think about like um uh, the monkeys or yeah, uh, okay. the Partridge family, where it was like... Who's writing their music, yeah. This was designed to be a thing, and like I know Davy Jones, where he was in it and he was doing stuff, but they were like, yeah, it's kitsch, we're doing this for a purpose, we're, we're driving around in that weird monkey mobile just to get girls to buy our stuff, right? Wow. We're not doing this because this is what we believe in. <laughs> we're yeah. doing this to make a buck. And that's where I have a problem with all these, and I'm going to call them stupid, but that's me, uh, all these stupid talent shows. Mm. Like The Voice and American Idol. American Idol is the worst, personally. I mean, they were pretty good the first couple seasons, but now it's just it's a formula of you you can belt, scream, sing this thing in pretend like you have emotion well and some of them do Uh, i like i don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here but for the most part it's like yo dog that was that was really good and i'm like was it though like they (laughs) could they could do the things technically but are they really they're just replicating something we've already heard yeah. Are they being true and real to who they are? And some people do get on those shows, and they are those things, but uh, there's yeah. a good portion of them that are just trying to do what they think is going to get bought.
0: Yeah, and there's a feel that comes with that. You know, when it, when it's real to the person that's doing it, like if what they're saying and what they're playing is real to them, you, mm-hmm. you feel it. Like there's something that sure. happens in your body that resonates, and then there are times, you know, and people, some people are better at this than others. And then there's just times where they're doing it and they're just doing it, you know, and it doesn't resonate with you. And that's yeah. part of what I try to get into as well. When I listen to this, I feel like with Mr. Duke special here, Mr. Wilson, like you, he can't not do that. <laughs> you know, sure. Like I mm-hmm. mean, it's just straight down to it. Um, whereas, you know, and I, I think. That comes a lot down to to performance and I know what do you how do you say it all the time art and entertainment you know some people are more entertainers than they are artists and some people are more artists than they are entertainers and I feel like the honesty and authenticity comes more from the artists than it comes from the entertainers because they're focused on doing something different you know mm-hmm. so there's that so where how many claps are we at Andy I stopped. Uh, so we were, we didn't
1: say really on packaging whether or not, I think I'm, I'm okay with not giving it to him because it just feels, that's not what I was expecting.
0: Yeah. Out of this. I'm, I'm kind of in the same spot. I'm not upset about it and it makes more sense, but I had to do, I I had to see it in retrospect, I, I think is part of it. Sure.
1: So we gave him technical, we gave him emotional, we did not give him packaging, and then we were on authenticity, which, uh, yeah, I think you kind of, he is what he is, and this is what, this art thing that he's doing, right? You said he's getting called from all of these people to do this thing. I think this is what he really is.
0: Yeah, I think so too. All right. So that's three claps. That is. And so the next category or fifth category is, is the whole band great? Um, and I specifically wanted this in there. And I think Andy agreed. There's There are times in bands where it's one person running the show. Um, and I'm not talking about times like Regina Spector where, you know, she's clearly one person and these are musicians that come with her to do music live. But there are bands out there that are really, it's this guy's show and everybody else is along for the ride. Um hmm and that's always debatable and whatnot. I will still fight my dad to the death on the Jethro Tull thing. I, <laughs> like, I really feel like that's the Ian Anderson show, and everybody else was along for the ride. But I can't prove that I wasn't around in the time, so I do want to default to somebody who was there while that whole thing was going on, um, and give that the the weight that it deserves. Sure. But-
1: Should we go into our um, regular argument that we have during this point in time? <laughs> or are we going to skip it this episode?
0: I think we skip it because people people know how we feel about the Beatles and should they or should they not have the drummer that they had? Um, but yeah, but like, but that's case in point. Like that's the really good yeah. point. Like a lot of that is even subjective. You know, mm-hmm. is the whole band great? Um, because the band has to move as a unit, really, at the end of the day. And if sure. they're moving as a unit, that's pretty great. That's a really hard and, thing to do.
1: And sometimes the unit is just one person, like Regina Spektor. Yeah, Um, and it's I've I've brought along people to help me get the thing I'm trying to do. Where it's different if that's under a moniker, and I'm trying to think of. uh, We were having. I think about
0: Coldplay a lot. Oh yeah, Coldplay is really just just Chris Chris Martin. Martin. Yeah. Yeah, and the the rest of the guys are there, and I'm sure at times they add things. But you could replace any of those other guys, and I don't think anybody would notice the difference. If you took Chris Martin out of that equation, <laughs> it would be a much different thing. And not just because he's the singer, but like just watching the shows and stuff, that's the dude that is making the thing happen.
1: I'm going to push some buttons here. Uh-huh. Uh, potentially, Leonard Skinnerd could be that same way. Like they had the lead dude. It was – it's – well – Maybe I have to rethink this yes thought out. and Yes and no. It, it's like they are a thing, and you can replace any of them. Like they threw the brother in there to sing, and it was still the same thing. So maybe that actually is a pro to the whole band. It's like the whole – Leonard Skinner is a thing, and it didn't matter who the guy was in the front. That might or, be a great oh, way to think about it. Or how about Van Halen? Oh. Right? Or bands I don't know that have Van Halen, or bands that have had different lead singers for whatever reason. Or Doobie Brothers might be another one, where they or AC was it ACDC. I mean, uh-huh. there's all these bands where, yeah, they're still their thing. Oh yes, there's a little bit of a change, but they still are doing their thing.
0: Yeah, but I would, yeah, and that turns into a whole discussion in and of itself because I think ACDC for me is an easy one to think about. I don't listen to ACDC for the guy singing. Or what he has to say. <laughs> Does anybody? <laughs> and that's the point. Like, But if you took... Uh, who's their lead guitarist who always plays the SG? I can't think of his name. If Angus. You took th- yeah, if you took Angus Young out of there, nobody's listening to that. That dude can play. He's got his own style. He has his own sound. He is that band. If he leaves, that's when it falls apart.
2: Hmm.
0: And so that's the whole band thing for me. Clearly the vocals were not driving that music. They're unique <laughs> and they're different they're cool i you couldn't I couldn't sing a c d c because if you put my voice in a c d c it's not that remarkable, but that weird gruff, what the hell did he drink before he walked out on the stage kind of sound right. did
1: he just gargle rocks?
0: yeah, you know like it's it's so bad it's good, yeah, you know, so yeah, I think that's one of those things. but with this, the whole band i mean he's he's a one man show, but he's had the same drummer for quite some time. And Duke Special could easily not be a name. It could be something. I don't. Singer songwriters are hard to do this with. Um, and I don't know if I could hear other people. I don't know if there's a Dylan effect to this or not. I could hear think, some people doing Condition. Like there, there are some voices. I think Coldplay could do a really cool their own style of that song.
1: And it would be Like it would have that high Coldplay. R- delayed guitar thing in the back, sort of like The Edge. Like you yeah. two. There's another one. To, there's another whole band where I think they are all. They all have to be there for it to be you two.
0: I don't like The Edge. I don't think he's. I know you anything. don't like
1: them but you two is not you two without all of those guys. Sure, sure. I
0: think that's that's.
1: I don't know their names, but I know <laughs> how they play and st- like the bass player and the drummer. Like I. Like think <imit�> of, think, a, think do about doo 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 do, doo 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 do, do. do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, it has to be that YouTube. way.
0: Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. I don't know. What do you think about this? I, I think <ademilcan solidified> for, <laughs> yeah, like, I think S- it's solo great.
1: artists really throw a wrench in
0: this. Yeah. Um, because there is but, only one guy you can get rid of. What if we yeah, took the but, gramophone away? <laughs> but this is like
1: Regina Specter. What do we do with her?
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's why you can, we can, you can miss one and still be great. <laughs> well, this would be two, by the way. You can still be wrong, Andy. Just because I'm letting packaging go doesn't mean.
1: <laughs> so we're letting whole band pass us by, right? Is that what you're saying?
0: I don't know. Maybe maybe singer songwriter has to be a four out of five category kind of thing. Mm, I don't like I don't like asterisks <laughs> with like
1: if this then that statements. I'm not a I'm not a fan. I think it needs to be one system and hold on to it. Okay. So I don't know enough of his catalog to know the little bit I've seen. It seems like this dude is he's uh, doing all the lifting of what is, special it's is. It's his show,
0: no doubt. Yeah. So okay, yeah, he doesn't get it, and I'm okay with it. Okay. Um, And then the last category, arguably the most subjective, is am I changed? And I'm glad that there's two of us because this really goes a lot of different ways. Like there are times when it lyrically, like I'm given something new to think about. There's times like with Duke Special here, um, like not that there's not a lot to think about, but then just like from a technical aspect, like I've learned something about music because of music this song. theory and such yeah, music yeah. theory, I've learned new things about culture through it, so like those are the things I'm looking for to change me that can sort of surpass time, um, you know, like with what's going on, I learned about the the whole riots down in Berkeley, California, that I was never taught about in school, which were actually mm-hmm. a really big deal, yeah um and so it's not the music itself sometimes that changes me, but the the circumstances around what are going on um. So I think this is a pretty cat- like a pretty easy category for almost any artist to get um, because if there's some sort of art to it and some sort of intent, it works for me. I think Andy's a little harder on this category than I am because he's looking for something different, but that's what I'm getting at when I think of this category.
1: Yeah, so change, I've almost made, and it's probably unintentionally, I kind of throw in would this get put in some sort of playlist that I might actually listen to? And, and so this is maybe me trying to sneak in enjoyment and likability of, uh, to be quite honest. I think that's what it is, is has this changed me enough that I like it? And not just that I wanna to listen to it over again, or has this changed me enough that I just go yep that's a that's an interesting thing, and it gave us a glimpse of that time or that era or the moment that artist was in uh so yeah this this one has very blurry boundaries for me yeah. um songs like this one, I think. Is going to be, like you said at the beginning here, uh, one of those songs that's not in my regular rotation. But when I remember it a year and a half from now, when we come back to like, hey, remember when we listened to that Duke special? I'll be like, man, that made me think about how I live life. And uh, maybe that's sort of the big picture of what change is, is. Does this make me think introspectively about who I am as a person and I think I have other influence like this one I think I would definitely give change to because this was just like oh man that tension of living because that uh, reflects stuff that I'm already in and how I perceive life yeah Uh, and so it just gave me new words to put on in describing out those feelings and emotions and thoughts that I have Um, where other ones it's just like meh I I, I don't know. Like yeah. I,
0: I, don't... I I like to think of it in my head as is the world bigger because of this? Like has my mm, that's world good. gotten bigger? Like I, I think about like in a in a very stark contrast, Taylor Swift, who I love to listen to. Like I love to listen to both of these people for very different reasons. Taylor Swift has not increased my worldview or changed the way I've seen anything or put words to something different that often for me so the, my world view has not gotten bigger or you know my my like I don't feel like I've expanded as a human being because of Taylor Swift I've been entertained this, this song I've been entertained and I feel like my world is bigger because of it
1: I can see that sometimes well I'm thinking of One Hit Wonders right mm-hmm. that's why we like These one hit wonder songs sometimes because they just come along and they're just like, this is a poppy piece of whatever it is. Hot trash. (laughs) Sometimes they are, but sometimes it's just like, oh, man, I love this
0: song. And You need gummy bears sometimes, you know? Yeah. There (laughs) are times in life when I need a box of gummy bears and don't (laughs) you ask why. (laughs) Right. I need this.
1: And it sounds like that's what Taylor Swift is for you. Yeah. It's just she's gummy
0: bears. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I, um, I i do it does something for me but i wouldn't yeah. call it great in the grand picture of things yeah um,
1: like we mentioned Al city already and that's i think he's definitely uh gummy bears for me too and not not to mention like that's been a connection point of music that i sort of liked before my kids jumped on and were like, Oh, I love this. That and does change for, things too. For no other reason than well, my kids like it now, so I kinda like it. Now there's a lot of music that they listen to that I hate as well. And I'm finding myself becoming the grumpy old man and they're like, this this kid's music today, I'll tell you what. I'm <laughs> you know, but that's okay. And this has really opened my eyes to sort of break down that mentality and be yeah. open to hearing new things and uh or I know we talked about her last episode too, but we'll, we'll shout out to Jan again of, I've been, I've been just so pleasantly surprised. She's like, I listen to music now. And and yes. And I identify with that because yeah, I've, you called me out the other day when we were talking about female artists and I was like, yeah, I don't really, it's not an intentional thing. But none have been put in my little box that I listen to, so I don't listen to them. I don't – I, because I, finding new music takes a lot of energy for me. Yeah. I, I get you. I know we've we've had that conversation before. It's just one more thing. There's so many things out there to choose from, and it's just like, I don't want to. Can I just hit the random shuffle button? And, and maybe that's – I had a conversation. Okay, we're going down another road here. I had a conversation with some youth that I deal with pretty regularly. I'm like, (laughs) tell me some bands and artists that you listen to. And they're like, well, uh, we listen to whatever. Like we just have playlists and stations that we throw on. And then whatever comes on is whatever comes on. And so I think music is getting into a new thing now. Right, because you can listen to any song at any time, in mm. any place, and uh, you know we don't have that captive. We only get sometimes some of this stuff, and so uh, yeah, it's almost undermining the music industry as the same time as that it is advancing it. If that makes sense, it's like word of mouth has now become. The huge thing where before it was you had to pay the radio station to get your song played uh, over and over again and that's the song that became popular now it's like well, I like this little indie band you know that's how I found out about one of my favorite bands is they were an opener for another and we passed their songs around Napster and that was it and they never made it big and I love them for it
0: or you're sitting at a bar one night and somebody's like oh my friend just put out this music and I'm like oh Let's go check that out. Holy crap! I like it.
1: And he lives in Ireland. Man, yeah. full circle. There we go. Full
0: circle. All right. So, so guys, I would
1: give I would give him the change
0: on this one. Okay. So we did it. We, he's four out of six on our clap rating scale. That's pretty good. I think so too. For one person to be able to do that, that's pretty great. Um. So. Everybody else, weigh in. You've listened for now for probably about an hour and a half on us a Ramble about where we get these ideas from, and thank you <laughs> so much for yeah. journeying if with you us. If you're
1: here already, uh, yeah. we applaud you.
0: Yeah. Um, so, da-da-da, you are perfect.
1: <laughs> here, you went into the E.
0: Yeah, you are perfect. You are sadly without a lot of other things to do in life (laughs) no so (laughs) ouch (laughs) Um, yeah just uh thanks Uh, respond back respond back on social media respond back on itunes Uh, give us a review and let us know if now that we've explained a lot of this to you if it's just total crap or not um and or does it actually make sense now? or does it actually make sense now yeah um we thank thanks. Um, we look forward. We've got a bunch of episodes coming up with some new people and some new ideas. Um, we're going to get some old school country from some Patreons. Heads up, Andy. I'm pretty excited about it. Ooh, um, okay. Uh, because I didn't even know what old school country was till uh, Mike sent it to me. So I, I'm kind of okay with it. And um, yeah, different things like that. We we've got some some summer fun planned for some episodes. And we've
1: got lots of things planned a lot of things that are just ideas now but uh we got some road trips and hopefully we can do some on location spots we are going to meet up this summer and and actually be in the same physical spot so that's going to add a whole new dynamic if that we works. uh are able to pull
0: something off and uh the other thing that we're we're getting ready to set up is uh, is it's not patreon it's through some other things where you guys could help with our monthly expenses if you'd like Um, or to help just further advance the show so that we can grow our mixtape and all those things. Um, we do enjoy this. It is way harder, I think, than both of us realized, uh, to, to carve out time around our kids' schedule and our wives' schedules and making sure that nobody feels left out with adding something else to our plate. Um, so, and we'll have our wives on here pretty soon, so that'll be a whole thing in and of itself. Um, Um. But yeah, hit us up on the medias.
1: Yeah. That's great. All right, Ian, you know what time it is. I'll see you. In the future.